Hi, I'm Anthony Fury. Thanks for joining us for the latest episode of Full Comment. Don't forget to subscribe to be notified when new episodes drop. Our guest today knows a thing or two about covering American politics and American presidents. Bob Woodward has been a journalist with the Washington Post since 1971, winning two Pulitzer Prizes and breaking the Watergate story with Carl Bernstein. Robert Redford played Bob in the movie. How is Joe Biden faring? Will Donald Trump make a comeback? And what's the future of news and journalism? Bob Woodward is the perfect person to put these questions to, and he joins us now. Bob, how are you? Thanks for joining us. Thank you. So it's been one year since the U.S. presidential elections. How is Joe Biden faring at this point? Well, uh, we recount in our book, Peril, that uh, Robert Costa and I did the first months of the administration. I mean, there was, we learned some things about him that have not been known. Uh, first of all, at meetings where he's trying to make a decision, he's the question man. He has lots of questions and is often quite impatient. He turned uh, the corner on the virus, at least temporarily. I, you know, we're going to see whether that is long term. He passed one big bill, uh, the rescue plan for $1.9 trillion, a a big victory. Uh, And he started to declare that he was getting out of Afghanistan. Uh, It turns out now uh, he's working on other legislation. He's had some successes, run into uh, Stonewall on others. Uh, Afghanistan turns out to have been a giant disaster, uh, something uh, his aides and Biden say, well, in the long run, the American people are going to be glad we're out of Afghanistan. I think that's true. But the process of getting out and that decision making process is going to be examined uh, for his whole presidency. Uh, And on the issue of his political support, uh, the poll numbers are incredibly low. They started quite well. And uh, so he's got to aggressively define his presidency. Uh, He's doing it through this legislation. He's also, there needs to be a feeling Uh, that he's in charge. I've written books about 10 presidents going back to uh, Nixon. And I think the one common thing I, from the sidelines, observe is a president needs to realize they have been elected to do something and that they need to define that in simple, direct terms and do that. And you can't kind of be wobbly about it, or you can't change the plan in the middle. And certainly Biden has added in many, many programs. He said he was going to do this, but uh, I think the polling shows, and I think this is quite true, there's not the kind of clarity uh, presidents need to be clear. When Ronald Reagan was president, uh, whether you liked him or didn't like him, he said, I want to do three things, cut taxes, 
increase defense spending and cut the size of the government. Everything he did was related to those three goals. He did actually cut taxes, he increased defense spending. He failed miserably to cut the size of the government. I think no one is ever going to succeed at that. I guess perhaps part of the challenge is that a lot of people just said, we want Donald Trump out of office. And then the challenge for Joe Biden is he says, okay, well, I'm not Donald Trump, pick me. But then as you're saying, well, what is what is the offer on hand? What are the top three, top five things he's going to do? And one wonders how many people uh, were voting him uh, in to give him those specific mandates. How many were saying, well, we just want Trump out. And then does that present a challenge for Joe Biden right now? Well, I, I think that's true. And Biden himself has said publicly, maybe his, his biggest achievement was getting Trump out, uh, which, which he did. Uh, he got him out of the presidency. But uh, in 2024, I think we're and in the years before then, we're going to see uh, reemergence of a Trump campaign, uh, perhaps in a very uh, dramatic way. So. Um, one of the other things you learn from writing books and doing newspaper stories on 10 presidents uh, is uh, Ken Burns, uh, the documentarian, said to me, my God, that's more than uh, a large percentage of the presidents that we've had. It, uh, it's more than 20% of the presidents. Hmm. And you can see how difficult the job is. You uh, need to understand that the process of communicating with the public is a central feature of that. And if you project uncertainty or ambiguity or contradiction, it's going to make the job much, much harder. I want to pick up on 2024, uh, your allusion to the possibility that Donald Trump could be the Republican presidential candidate. What is the likelihood of that? Uh, I, it's there. It's possible. Uh, what I, th I think there's a big burden on the media to look at the Biden presidency with clarity hmm. and, uh, if necessary, skepticism. And the same thing with the Trump possible candidacy. His, you know, we talk about in politics, and you do in Canada also, what's the rationale for the candidacy? Why is so-and-so running? And Trump's main rationale is his claim that the election last year, 2020, was stolen. Uh, I, it's a little flabbergasting, I think, to lots of people to think that that's going to be enough, that people will go vote for him again in 2024. So so we'll see. And there's a, a lot of uncertainty. But Bob Costa and I spent a lot of time looking at what's the evidence that the election was stolen. And we found documentation that was presented to Republican Trump supporters in the United States Senate alleging that uh, election was stolen. And those Republican senators, Senator uh, Lindsey Graham of South Carolina, Senator Mike Lee of Utah, investigated as Trump supporters. And they found 
no evidence, not even a, a wisp of evidence. So imagine, uh, and you know, I put out my phone number and my email in the United States. I say, if you have really good evidence that something was stolen or something was rigged in the election last year, contact me. And I haven't heard from anyone. So let's say Donald Trump drops those grievances and moves more towards, okay, I got to have that positive campaign moving forward. Uh, Some of the things that he originally campaigned on, talking about building the wall, the border crisis, well, we see there is a surge on challenges in the border. Uh, When it comes to dealing with China, they've ratcheted up the tough talk when it comes to uh, potentially threatening war over Taiwan. Is the international scene in some way uh, moving towards favorability for people to swing back to Donald Trump? Well, I, I, I don't think so, because all he talks about, I mean, yes, he talks about some of these other things, but he just says uh, the election was rigged. It, wa- it was stolen. Mm. Uh, do people want somebody as president who has this provable illusion, this provable untruth? Um, I'm not sure they do but we'll see you know it's it's a long time uh how's biden gonna do what uh what is trump up to uh there's there's gonna be a daily story of course on the president on biden and there is a regular story uh periodic story on trump he's there he's giving these rallies right and people are not tuning into these rallies and he will say a lot of uh stuff that's unsupported but then he will be going to be very direct with you he will sound like winston churchill he will say i will never give up i will keep fighting i will you know this is uh, no one's going to push me around i am and uh it is uh, motivational to say the least, to his base and according to the polling, tens of millions of people. So this this is going to go on. The march goes on, uh, and uh, it, it's going it's going to be covered. I hope not blindly, just by one sentence lines uh, on social media by detractors of Trump or proponents of Trump that we will dig into that continuing question, who is he? What's he up to? Why is he doing this? Uh, what's what's uh, the engine of his candidacy? Bob, before we move away from Donald Trump, when you say provable untruth, I imagine there are a few people out there who are looking at what's going on with the Steele dossier right now, the fact that a second person has been charged in relation to this special counsel investigation, looking at the origins of uh, of the Steele dossier, who would say a provable untruth is what we have found the Russian collusion uh, conversation and allegations to be. How do you think about that story happening, unfolding right now? Well, back before uh, the 2016 election, I... Uh, looked at the Steele dossier, talked to some people about it, and on Fox News, of all things, I said it is a garbage document. Huh. It, it is a document that makes allegations and then says, uh, well, anyone who 
might be able to attest to these allegations has been bought off or is dead. Well, as you know, as a reporter, if somebody tells you, well, here's allegation A and B, which was in the Steele dossier about Trump, but by way, by the way, you're never going to find out if it's true because everyone's been bought off or is dead. Uh, you look at that and you say, wait a minute, this supposedly was written by an experienced intelligence officer. No experienced intelligence officer would present that uh, as at least on the surface credible because it's not. It, it is, it, as a, an intelligence officer, you make dec declarations and then you give some backup of who knows this or where it might have come from. And uh, so it was garbage. Uh, it, it's now coming out that uh, it's garbage. And this, that when I said so, Trump actually uh, sent me a, uh, a tweet saying, uh, thank you. I was not doing it to please him. I was doing <laughs> it as a, uh, as a reporter looking at the facts. And uh, so, uh, you know, again, it was something driven by seeming evidence. It need, needed to be looked at, but it went on way too long. And the special investigation done by the former uh, FBI director, Robert Mueller, was uh, deeply flawed, should have been quicker. Uh, and uh, so we got bogged down in this whole thing. And uh, you know, it's it's too bad we waste time on nonsense. Republicans are very hopeful of the results that they've seen happen in Virginia, flipping from Democrats to being more in their favor. Things in New Jersey were a little close. And there's, of course, that one candidate, the state senator, who was a, a longstanding Democrat and a New Jersey truck driver who only spent 150 or so dollars on his campaign. He managed to unseat that individual. Some nervousness for Democrats, obviously a lot of hope for Republicans. Should we make much of this? Is this a sign of what's to come in the midterms? Well, you can't tell. I mean, uh, things happen that are aberrations, uh, but this may reflect something. Uh, right after, two days after that election, I went down to Richmond, Virginia, the capital, uh, for a funeral of uh, an uncle of mine who died at age 96. And uh, lots of my relatives down there or I think all of them uh, voted for the Republican Youngkin. And uh, at the same time, I found they were not supporters of Trump. They, that Youngkin has found a way to uh, be somewhat less emotional, not insult Trump, but, in, but not fully embrace him. Uh, and, uh, you know, maybe there's a middle ground like this for Republicans, but uh, this is 2021 and the next uh, off year election is 2022. It's a, a year away and anything can happen. 
I got to ask you about Canadian politics for a moment. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau was, was really adored around the world when he first came into office, and things have been a bit more difficult for him here. He, he has been re-elected twice, but each time uh, he's sort of gotten a fewer count, and he went from a majority government to a minority government. How would you say the U.S. broadly, whether it's the Washington establishment or just regular folks, how do they view Justin Trudeau right now? Well, I, I don't have any special knowledge on that, and I try to be empirical as a reporter. I mean, I followed what's happened about him. Uh, what does he say? What's his account for what's happened to him? Briefly, can you tell me? Oh boy. Well, you know, we, we have a pretty divisive landscape right now. We've, we've sort of started mimicking what's going on in America right now, but it's pretty common for people to become prime minister with uh, with a minority count uh, of the vote there, much less than 50%. So in some ways it's business as usual. Yeah, well, um, you know, the, we in the United States and you in Canada live with the internet and the internet has changed all discourse, including political discourse. And uh, the impatience and the speed of the internet, uh, I mean, it must drive you crazy doing these uh, long form podcasts where people will just come out and say one thing and a sentence or a phrase or a headline, and it's not examined, it's not supported. Uh, well, you have that too. You'll go on television and, and you'll have a 12-minute segment or what have you on a major network, and then the clipping is Bob Woodward said this, and then it's like uh, three words. Yeah, exactly. And so that, that we know from our own educations that's not the way you learn. And uh, you learn by going in-depth into matters. And uh, I... I have the luxury of time as a journalist, still work at the Washington Post, but spend most of my time doing books. And uh, I think there's great value in in-depth reporting because you often discover surprises. Uh, in peril, Robert Costa and I found that there was a national security crisis that was completely secret. We were on the brink of some sort of uh, conflict or misunderstanding with China that we never knew about. The chairman of the Joint Chiefs in the United States, who's the number one military officer, was so worried about Trump, he called in the staff in the Pentagon uh, from the war room and said, make sure that you don't take orders from Trump or the White House without involving him, General Milley, in the process. The last time, the only other time that happened was 1974 with Nixon. Uh, evidence that Nixon was unstable and drinking and depressed. And the Secretary of Defense at the time did exactly the same thing, made sure he was involved if there were any kind of military orders. And uh, when Costa and I discovered this, first learned it, we were flabbergasted. I mean, there was no hint in public reporting at all uh, that something like this was going on. So what does this teach you? You know, when you get up in the morning, you don't uh, think about what you know, but you are plagued by what you don't know. 
you know, we're told that Watergate was a bit of a sort of before the fall, after the fall moment, and that previously people were able to see that their politicians, even if they didn't support their political party, were still sort of decent people, more or less honest people. And now that's just made so many people cynical. I know that observation was made. It's already been made years ago. Where are we at now in that situation, the sort of general cynicism and and sometimes outright hostility we have towards uh, those who seek public office? Well, there, there should be cynicism, skepticism, uh, I, not hostility. I mean, what government does obviously makes a big difference in our lives. Witness, uh, when we have a war, it convulses the country. Uh, when we have a government that's not functioning, uh, uh, people don't get what they need. And uh, government is a, is a big part of everyone's life in either small or large ways. So uh, it ideally should run well, uh, but you know, this environment of the internet is impatience and speed, as I say, is here to stay. It's also, of course, changing the way the media landscape works. We've got uh, podcasts galore, some of the highest paid media personalities, individuals like Joe Rogan are not at all on traditional media, alternative media. Uh, People are getting their information from such diverse sources. Uh, Many of them are top-notch, well-credentialed individuals. Some of them, I guess you can more ask, uh oh, you know, what's this source where they're getting their info from? What do you think in terms of what this means for for the health of the national discourse? To your point, it's, you know, that genie's not going back in the bottle. Uh, What does it mean moving forward? Yes. Well, again, some of the burdens on the media when we interview people, interview people on television. Uh, We need politicians uh, when they make uh, claims. uh, We need to ask that basic question. How do you know? Why are you saying that? What is the basis for your conclusion? We can't just grab a soundbite. We've got to go behind it. And, you know, I like evidence-based reporting. And uh, when you're interviewing people, you have to ask them. More and more, we're in open source territory in terms of government posting documents online that previously would require a lot of people to search for. Uh, You're getting real-time data, whatever it is about the finances, about COVID-19 numbers. Has this been empowering citizen journalism in a good way, or are there still concerns about uh, traditional media being able to sort of filter through all of this stuff? I mean, how are the the traditional duties now uh, being skewed or redefined? What, What do you mean by citizen journalists? Well, I mean, a lot of people just say, all right, I got the budget up on the website and that's all I need to know. No more intermediary. Well, uh, you know, you need to, again, provide the basis. But I think this information uh, is very useful about uh, the pandemic. Uh, You know, there's this feeling, at least in the United States, that, oh, the pandemic is subsiding. Uh, Only 1,200 people die from it each day over three days that's as many people that died in the 9-11 terrorist attacks uh 20 years ago and uh that terrorist attack 9-11 really changed uh, the whole country in the united states to a certain extent it changed uh the world and 
so I, I think we've become a little bit, uh, we've almost uh, received a some sort of uh, forget pill. Oh, let's hmm. forget this. Uh, well, you know, forget pills don't work very well in journalism, and I think they they hurt the functioning of government. Bob, before we go, I got to ask you, what do you think of the phenomenon of calling everything gate, you know, bridge gate and so and so as, as the guy behind Watergate? Do, do, you, do you embrace that sort of uh, n- naming frequency or do you, do you roll your eyes when you hear it? Well, it's a, it's a cute idea. Sometimes these things are real gates, real serious scandals or something that uh, needs to be labeled uh, gate, but... Uh, you know, it, it people will try, and it just doesn't work sometimes. <laughs> what? People are not going to accept that there's uh, a, that this is a gate, uh, but um, it it gets your attention, doesn't it? If somebody <laughs> calls you up and says, "I'd like to come on your podcast and talk about," uh, you know. Uh, uh, Wild wind gate. <laughs> Wild wind gate. <laughs> Good question. What and about Rob? Do you still chat they, with Robert Redford? Are you guys still pals? Uh, yeah, we visited him a couple of years ago uh, at his home in Sundance and did a a forum there. And uh, you know what what he did in doing that movie was very brave because. Everyone said you can't make a movie about politics, and he insisted. Uh, he was behind it and uh, really worked hard. Uh, how do you know this? Where did you get this? Uh, did a, a great job of uh, putting a movie together. I don't know that you've ever seen it that uh, really conveys. Uh, the nitty-gritty and the scramble and the uncertainty and the lump-in-your-stomach moments that happen when you're chasing a story, any story. A fascinating movie indeed, and a fascinating career. You've had great books. What's the next book going to be, Bob? I'm not sure. Um, If you got an idea, play assignment editor. (laughs) All right, sounds good. Bob Woodward, thanks very much. Great chatting with you. Thank you. Full Comment is a post-media podcast. I'm Anthony Fury. This episode was produced by Andre Pru, with theme music by Bryce Hall. Kevin Libin is the executive producer. You can subscribe to Full Comment on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, and Amazon Music. You can listen through the app or your Alexa-enabled devices. You can help us by giving us a rating or a review, and by telling your friends about us. Thanks for listening.